Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. Working on my tech, I was trying to get the little thing on my screen to clear. <laughs> yes, and um, so David, we are here at an unusual time um, because of conflicts of schedules um, to talk. That was a very of- gracious way to say. Basically, I forgot <laughs> completely that we were supposed to do this on Wednesday. Well, I didn't want to say you ghosted me, but you kind of did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but we found another time that works. And so we're here to discuss your sermon today um, from this past Sunday from Romans 8, 17, verses 17 through 30. And the title was God's Empowering Gift of Hope. Um, and we were just right before we went live, we were just talking a little bit about how much this sermon resonated with people. Mm-hmm. Um you know, this perspective of hope from the eternal perspective rather than the the earthly perspective. Um, One of the things that really struck me and that has, I've been thinking a lot about this week is a statement you made towards the beginning of your sermon. It was almost like this line that just, you're like, well, this is true. And then we're going to move on and talk about other things. But the thing that the, the line that struck me was hope takes practice, resolve, mm. and determination. Mm. And I had never thought of that before. And I thought, wow, it does. Yeah, it really does. And the, uh, actually, the, that line came from reflecting on the uh, ridiculousness of our trying to get our windshield clear, this story that I shared mm-hmm. um, about our drive up the Pacific Coast Highway. And I was thinking that how, how often in my own life and in interacting with other people who are struggling and seeking to and losing per- perspective and trying to um, re- regain hope is it's a 50 times a day thing. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I see it clearly. And the next moment I lose perspective and I'm back in the thing that's so painful, so difficult, so costly so inconvenient, so uncomfortable, whatever it is. And, and I'm right back to why am I in this? And how am I going to get through this? And then it's like, wait, no, wait, I need to practice hope again in this moment. Now, seven seconds after that last time where I had to practice hope and got swallowed up again in the in-between, and now I need to do it again. I, mm-hmm. I think um, we, we can feel discouraged when we think about any dimension of the Christian life, actually, I mean, loving people, forgiving, whatever it is, being a person of grace, uh, we can get so discouraged when we feel like we're right back where we started. And I think it's so helpful to remember every part of the Christian life is something that about which it could be said, it's hard, it takes practice, and it takes determination um, to just keep reminding ourselves, taking those thoughts captive for Christ. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think um, that temptation that you laid out right after that about, we know, we know what's best for us. We know what, um, 
and we expect God to conform our circumstances to our expectations, whether it's here on this, in this life or in the next life, um, that when we, when we do that, we, we lose our perspective of hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I, and it puts us at odds with God in a pretty significant way. And, mm -hmm. and I think, um, you know, I think one of the things that takes some unlearning and relearning or new learning for us when we begin to take the Christian faith seriously for the first time, or when we encounter it from, from another faith and come into Christianity from another faith or atheism or whatever, um, is, um, recognizing how central the idea of relinquishment is to Christianity. And that's mm. an unfamiliar and uncomfortable idea. Um, we we kind of think it's like, okay, life on my terms plus add God in. <laughs> and, right. and there's this um, profound role that relinquishment must take in the Christian life. And it makes perfect sense when we think about God in his grandeur and glory and majesty and holiness that and the disproportion between God and me, that his desire would be that he would displace us from the center and occupy that place. Mm. And that it's, it's that motion that requires of us relinquishment at so many turns. But uh, that's certainly a major one in this whole realm of talking about hope is, is am I going to insist on life on my terms or, or am I going to let God do life on his terms? Um, yeah. And, and that gets really hard to sort through. God sure is not a God to be trusted if my measure of how God should behave is uh, my version of life the way I want it on my terms in this life. Oh, yes. And that's where we get that idea that God can't be trusted. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, that's exactly right. And And that's where, you know, you hear of people saying this happened and therefore I don't believe in God anymore. Like yeah. how could a good God allow that to happen? And, and, you know, yeah, that is a really, really tough question when you're talking it, about individual circumstances. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And yeah. And it's particularly hard. Um, I mean, you can have, <laughs> and I think this is something we can forget. You can have really, really, really good biblically faithful theology and it still really hurts when suffering comes. Yes. And, um, and there, the sound theology and, a, and, a, and an eternal perspective that's grounded in hope does not take away the pain at all. It doesn't mm. do anything to mitigate the pain, but it lets the pain um, not be something that existentially feels wrong with everything else that I believe and hold dear and true. And, and I think that is, you know, we were talking about this just before we went on the air, but I think, um, I mean, certainly one of the things that came through in this passage for me as deeply as it ever has, as I study this uh, passage of scripture, and certainly this one, is that this really does, Paul really does seek to, well, I think he really effectively addresses the conundrum of reconciling my suffering with a good God. And mm. it comes down to the passage at the heart of this, that it talks about God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I think um, the thing that so struck me is that all through this passage, God keeps talking about 
fulfilling his purposes, fulfilling his purposes, fulfilling his purposes. And the, the phrase that he keeps using to, to talk about what that means or what that looks like is making us like Jesus. He fulfills mm. his purposes by making us like Jesus. He fulfills his purposes by making us like Jesus, which is what he created us for in the first place, to be in relationship with him, to, to be uh, with him and to be like him. So God is answering, here's how you can look for my goodness of character, my trustworthiness to be borne out in every single thing that happens in your life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what your losses are. You can be confident that I am using this to draw you nearer to myself and to make you more and more into the likeness of Jesus. So there's a sense in which you can take that according to his purposes and move it from the end of the sentence and put it up closer. God works for good according to his purposes, which is to make us into people who are like Jesus, make us into citizens fit for heaven. God works to make us like Jesus in all things, mm-hmm. which is such a different way of hearing that passage than this kind of magic wand sort of wave it over your difficult circumstances and, and sit and wait for God to kind of clear up all the pain and discomfort uh, mm. way that we can so often hear that. Yeah, and I, and as you're describing that, I was just thinking about God's purposes in my life are different than those in his purposes in your life. Let me rephrase that because his purpose is the same as we just discussed. He is creating, he's, he's making me more like Jesus. He's making you more like Jesus. How he does that is different. Yes. And so it's easy for me to sit in my chair and say, why can't I have a life more like so-and-so's? Why can't my life look a lot more like that person over there? When the reality is God knows us best. And so we are in the circumstances we are in, in order for him to create Jesus in us. Yeah. Or to create us if, more like Jesus, right? I love yeah. that. If, if I were to give directions to my neighbors, the Hellers who live right there, to get to my house or the, or directions to the bridges, my neighbors who live right there, I would give a completely set of direct, different set of directions to get them to the same end point, which is here, uh, because they're both have different starting points. And, and, and I think that's exactly right. I, I know you you are um, uh, not only really fond of, but really something of an expert on children's literature and, and especially young adult literature. And, and I know your um, fondness for the Chronicles of Narnia. And I think mm-hmm. of the, um, one of my favorite of that whole series is The Horse and His Boy. And there's that amazing section where there's comparing that's going on. Hey, wait a minute. How come my life doesn't look like that other person's life? And, yeah. and I love that. I love Aslan's response to that. Basically, I'm, I'm doing something different in their life than I am yours. And that's not right. your business. Your business right. is what I'm doing with you not right. what I'm doing with someone else. Right. Yeah. And yes. And that it, it's just, it's just so easy to look at someone else's, you know, as we, especially as we talk about social media, right? Like it's so easy to look at someone else's highlight reel on social media and think they don't have it. They don't have it as bad as I do. Yeah. Um, which kind of goes back to the beginning of your sermon where the one thing we have, we all have in common 
is that we know suffering and we know loss. That's right. And that at, at different levels, at different, um, in different places, but we all experience it in different ways. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, um, and that tends not to be the, the part of our life that we bring um, to each other as we're, mm-hmm. as we're interacting with each other. That's going to be a little bit tucked behind. So what we will tend to compare is my own inner pain and loss and struggle compared to your very put togetherness. Um, mm-hmm. And we always will come up short in that comparison. Always. Always. Yes. Yes, because we don't and, like and it to always show is it. gonna look like um, <laughs> that other person's life is a better one than my own. Not always, but often it will look that way. It will have that appearance because we're seeing the best of their life presented, contrasted to the the real of my own life. Right. So the grass is greener temptation is always there when it comes to thinking about our own suffering and struggle. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. But when we look when we, <laughs> I mean, this, it's just, it, it feels so basic and yet it's so important. And we just need the reminder constantly, 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 right? When I, when I look horizontally, I can get discouraged because I'm, I'm looking at other people, but when I turn my gaze heavenward and or vertically, then I see God and I see him in the, seated on the throne in heavens as the creator, bigger than every problem, bigger than this whole world. And my perspective changes if I allow it to. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, p- part of what uh, makes it so difficult for us to s- to keep a strong grip on hope or to see our hope clearly is when we're comparing my life with someone else's. Mm -hmm. I think another one is when we, um, when we think of kind of this life, my birth to my death as being the time when uh, it is up to God to get everything to all come out rosy in the end that we, we all mm. have been trained to think of, and they all lived happily ever after as a reasonable benediction on each of our lives. Mm. And, uh, and that gets shattered biblically. There's mm-hmm. just no way. I mean, God is absolutely clear in saying that that is a, um, a wrong expectation just based on what happened in Genesis chapter three and the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our own hearts. It's not, we have a, hope that it will it's it will all come out in the end our you know i defined hope as our patient confidence that the loving purposes of god will prevail in the end Mm -hmm. which lets us say as julian and norwich said and all will be well Mm -hmm. Um, but um all will be well is is the best i can say in my dying breath and at any point before that Mm -hmm. not and it is all well, and I am now living happily ever after. Um, right. Yeah. So the scene that just came to my mind as you're describing that was uh, in the Lord of the Rings when Frodo says to Gandalf, I wish the ring had never come to me. Oh, yeah. And Gandalf says, 
or, you know, like this in that conversation, Gandalf says, we all, we all wish that, but yeah. it's not ours to choose. It's ours to do with what we have been given. Basically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think we as human beings spend a lot of time just wishing things were other than they are, yeah. which, which accomplishes precisely nothing. <laughs> and actually so it, it, it accomplishes worse than nothing because it sets us back. Whatever, whatever amount of time I spend in my life wishing things were other than they are is lost time. It's, um, yeah. it's not time I'm living. It's just time I'm bemoaning. And, um, yeah, it, it takes us nowhere forward. Um, at all and and i think so so i do think a really significant part of um making the launch pad from which hope can be uh uh shot off or blasted off is is clearing out our insistence that things look a certain way or that life go on our terms or that mm -hmm. um our our insisting on some version of our own of who we think God ought to be or what we think God ought to be doing. Well, that's fine, but that's not reality. Mm -hmm. um, and aligning ourselves with reality is a pretty good definition of sanity. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. I, um, I like I, you know, I, I was going to say, you already have said the definition, the Christian definition of hope, that patient confidence. And that's like, we can be confident and impatient. We can be patient and have no confidence, but the combination of the two of those is so important. Patient confidence that God's loving purposes will be true in the end. Yeah. And then, um, towards the end of the sermon, you said, our hope is um, that God would change us in the midst of our challenging circumstances, not that God would cha merely change our circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the groaning that I do and the groaning that creation does is nothing less than me saying, from the depth of my soul, I know I was made for something more than this. Mm -hmm. This conflicted version of my life, this me putting me first, me, that small version of a life that's bent in upon me instead of turned up towards God and turned out towards others, a life that only in a smudgy way, kind of like the Sistine Chapel coated with candle wax and soot over 500 years, you know, that kind of besmudged version of the image of mm -hmm, God in me mm -hmm. that, that, that so um, prevents the light of Christ from shining out in me. Nothing, all of that is less than the thing for which God made me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just looking at my notes and I'm like, was trying to figure out what I was writing about. And I realized that it was um, notes from the discussion that we had on Sunday morning um, during second service. And someone said, um, all of our suffering forms Jesus inside me, forms Jesus inside us as a community. So 
when I'm a part of a community of believers, when I'm part of a church, when I'm part of the church covenant family, um, someone else's suffering that I'm allowed to witness or uh, be a part of also forms Christ in me. Yes, and forms Christ between us as the people. I mean, think about um, how many of the fruit of the Spirit are communal gifts. They are are expressions of the presence and work of God that play out between us, not just in us. Oh, man, I think that is so true. And we all have this reflex to want to retreat in the discomfort and ugliness of our suffering. Yes. And, and it is so counterintuitive, apart from the invitation and stirring of the spirit to lean towards each other in our suffering. But what an incredible gift we give to each other when we do that. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is, is formed in me as I suffer. He's formed in you as you respond to my suffering. He's formed between us as we get to come draw near to each other and give and receive love in the midst of suffering. And so it's just another confirmation, another reason why we were created for community Mm -hmm. and not just for individuals as individuals. Yeah. And then uh, that's exactly right. And then that begins to get to the larger purposes of God of putting his own glory on display in this world so that people will come to know and love and follow and serve him. You know, I think back to the, those incredibly significant early years in the church when during plagues, the church indiscriminately shared its resources with Mm -hmm. whoever was in need, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of how they persecuted or treated them. And the comment from the unbelievers was, look at how they love each other. And they were so drawn by that way that the, that the mm-hmm. character of God was put on display in the relationships that the believers had with one another. And the, you know that leads to that larger purpose of why did God put us in this community? Uh, I believe that part of what God is doing as he forms Jesus in us is wooing the world around us. Mm-hmm. And drawing them to himself as a result of what they see in and among us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just no accounting for the beauty of, of a relationship of love when people are in need. You, you can't yeah. explain it outside of, of God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. Any last thoughts before we close? Um, well, you know, uh, just one thought that comes to my mind, we, you, you are well aware that, uh, a week from Sunday, we have our Thanksgiving service as a church mm, family mm-hmm. and on the 20th. And that's a time when our, our, we'll be enjoying the brand new tradition of a Thanksgiving breakfast between the services at 10 o'clock, but we're also continuing the, the longstanding tradition of, of my just turning over the preaching time and having that be a time when the people of God get to encourage one another with our own experiences of the goodness of God in our own lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I really think that there is a, such an important link between Thanksgiving and the 
hard work of practicing hope. And the, the more I have a heart of gratitude, the more I have eyes to see the manner in which God is showing himself worthy of my trust and, and putting his goodness on display. And then when those difficult times come, that lets me be all the readier to expect he is working for good in this. This is so hard. I would so much rather not have this, but Lord, I trust you. Mm -hmm. Look how good you are. My life is crammed full of evidences of your goodness. So I can look for your goodness here too. I can trust it even when I don't see it. So I just think the practice yeah. of, of gratitude and the hard work of hope uh, just come hand in hand. Hmm. So I hope that coming that family will, will be thinking about uh, ways in which God has has met them over this past year and uh, and shown himself good and kind and present mm -hmm. and strong for them in this year and come ready in a few sentences to be able to, to celebrate that with one another. I'm looking forward to that service. Yeah, it is really one of my very favorites. <laughs> I usually go to both services on that day. Yes, right. With good reason. <laughs> With yeah. good reason. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, David, for making time this afternoon to chat with uh, me. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or our podcast. We're glad you took a few moments to be with us today. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.